Instagram. All right, Jack, tell us when. Awesome. Kevin Hofflin. Yes. Yeah? Heflin. Okay. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Jack, you good? Awesome. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode, special bonus episode of the Cinematography for Actors podcast. We are live from the VIP lounge of the Chinese Theater in Hollywood, California, as the official podcast partner for the 19th annual Oscar qualifying... Austin, I can hear it over there. I love it so much. I can hear my own voice everywhere. Uh, annual Oscar qualify, qualifying. Oh my God. We've gotten this messed up every time. Holly Shorts Film Festival. But we're live, so we're not going to even try and cut that out because we can't. Um, I'm your host, Indiana Underhill, one of the co-founders of Cinematography for Actors. And I am here with Kevin Hofflin. Correct? Yes. Okay, great. Awesome. Last name I pronounced correctly. Who is the writer and director of The Fuse and who has just flown in from Providence yesterday, yes, where you was. were at another festival. Yes, we did the opening night of the wonderful Rhode Island Film Festival. That's amazing. That's so, so great. What a great opportunity. From coast to coast. That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about 15-minute interview, but let's dive in a little bit to the log line, just so we can get an idea of what the film is about. I know there's a lot of technical I want to dive into, but what yeah. is, what's your film The Fuse about? So it's the third installment of a trilogy I made on New York City, three cool. New York stories, and it's kind of my discovery of New York City as I am not from there, I'm from Switzerland originally, and it's as I discovered the city. And the third installment, The Fuse, is the darkest of them all, uh, but this thing is the most profound, and it talks about a, a part of the city, uh, South Bronx, uh, you know, in the housing project, and it talks about the man who was working all his life as a sanitation worker, and it's at the dusk of his life. Wow. And it's a drama, but uh, a lot of comedy to soften the blow uh, and yeah. to give hope for the oh. audience. And to connect, I imagine, on yes. another level yes. as well. And so, uh, we were talking beforehand, and you cast a non-actor, and yes. I'd love to hear about that process and why that decision was made. Is that uh, common in your work that you do that, or was it specific to the fuse? No, it is. It has it become common, um, I've, especially in the trilogy. That's kind of how I discovered that I wanted to work with non-actors. But not only, I mean, I'm working with non-actors for leads mainly, and I love casting trained actors for uh, other parts. Cool. And I like to mix them. But for the lead, when I'm creating a, a story around the character, I like, I like to write it, imagine the character in my head. But then once I find a real person, a real woman, a real man, yeah. then I rewrite based on this person. And this is the case of Jorge Gabino, who is my lead. Yeah. And I casted him off the street. In a, you know, he was uh, playing domino among the housing project in Fantastic. Manhattan. I cast him off the street and then we worked together. When you know, you know. Exactly. And he's coming on Monday, so I'm very excited. You're doing a Q&A on Monday. At what time? No, I'm doing a Q&A on Tuesday at Tuesday. 5. But okay. he's flying in from New York on Monday. Okay, and he's never been in a, in a festival like this. Great. He's not a film. He's not from the film world. So that's How very exciting. exciting. Yeah. So when working with non-actors, I mean, I love that you're kind of blending the two worlds because I'm sure that the trained actors also kind of, there's almost a guidance that happens of like maybe within the scene and the choreography of scenes and blocking. And then the non-actor can feel that kind of natural world and be established and trust it um, but how were you how did you take someone who was playing dominoes and get them comfortable in front of a camera so that's a good question <clears throat> so first off you know we passed him the script he read it he wanted to speak to me and I said why do you want to make a film he said I don't want to make a film I want to make this one I say why because that's my life so based on that I kind of knew I wanted to work with that man I had to test him on camera yeah I, you know with an actor you cannot like throw in a, a casting scene like uh, you cannot do that yes. do, so I put a camera and we just had a, a small interview just him and me just talking 
And then I took him by surprise halfway through, and I said, okay, from now on, you go, we're gonna keep going with this, but you're gonna answer in the voice of the character. Wow. And immediately, he kept going, he didn't stop. Wow. And he invented moments that were not in the script. The bird, for example, yes. I asked him a question, uh, where did you find this bird? And he just told me the whole story of the bird. And Beautiful. it's not even in the script. Beautiful. So that's how I knew that this man, I wanted to work with him, Jorge yeah. Gabino. <laughs> Jorge Gabino. Yes. So, and so when you're looking at, I mean, I find this fascinating, because getting someone in comfort, comfortable in front of a camera, how, I know he improv and added a few moments in, but how strict were you to, to stick to the script that you had versus what ended up being made? So that's something also I've learned uh, over the years in my work. Uh, you, have, you have the story you write, the story you shoot, and the story you edit. Right. And everything you need to be taken by surprise because a, a film is like an organic moving process yes, you know yeah. it, it's, it evolves and you have to like you cannot like force anything mm -hmm. in filmmaking so of course you write the story but then when you meet the real man uh, in case of my character yeah. and, and, and you go in a, on, a, on a relocation uh, then all of a sudden it starts to be different and then you have to be flexible and embrace reality so there is a lot of documentary approach although it's a very narrative right. uh, work and yes. we, we shot like half of the movie in a soundstage as well yeah so, that's what we should talk about as well so you built the entire apartment on a soundstage yes. and that's mostly for control right yes it was for many different reasons uh, first of all we shot during the pandemics so we needed to have more you know room shooting in a housing project apartment in, in New York City first off would have been very hard to find right. and usually they're really small so fitting a crew of people during COVID in tight space that was almost undoable mm -hmm. another uh, way to uh, you know why we did it is because of uh, lighting and, and camera setup and the way we, we needed to have control uh, you know put the camera where we wanted yeah and also uh, to control the lighting because the story takes place in different uh, settings during the day, early morning, uh, evening, midday, and to have magic hour forever, we yes. could like hold, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. for two hours we could have magic hour with yeah. uh, the sound stage. We can't all be Malik and, and wait every day for the, for the right. sun. I yeah, wish. Exactly. I know, <laughs> I me wish. too. Um, and then for the bird, let's talk about this character of the bird. Yes. So who is the bird in the story? What, what does it represent? And also what was the use of the real bird that we were talking about before? Beforehand also yes. and then the CGI reproduction so the bird represents really uh, my character that's his only you know company you know in his world is really a solitary recluse kind of character in right. the story yeah. and the bird is a bird that he is like a, um, a starling so it's like a common bird that you find in New York City everywhere right it's not yeah. like a fancy bird so it's a, a bird that you could find in the street and that's that's what I wanted also it represents him as well uh, and this bird so we actually what's funny is that it's the second film of the bird he played in the whale by Aronofsky oh yes <laughs> so it's yeah you're right yeah, yeah tweezer is the name of the bird and it's the same bird that plays in my movie <laughs> So uh, but anyway, so for this bird, we have a scene where the actor grabs the bird from a cage and releases through the window. And mm -hmm. of course, that wasn't in a soundstage, so there was net all over the place. Yeah. We could catch the bird. But then we had the end shot. I'm, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to talk quickly for um, a technique. But the bird returns and lands on the lap of the, of the actor. Right. And in order to achieve this shot, we, we could, it was so hard to predict how the bird would react, especially landing on a stranger lab yeah so we had to um use cg wow and so with the visual language that you built between um jorge gambino jorge gabino yeah yeah gabino and um your bird and the bird yes what was the visual language rules around kind of creating their relationship did you have us because he feels at home with this yes. animal and that relationship what, how did you define what that was visually from the first uh, i mean the second scene on in the picture that's we we kind of put 
the bird uh, so there is a scene where my, my character when you discover him yeah. he's getting ready for work working as a sanitation uh, collector of the yeah. night doing night shift and he's, he's like over 60 so he's not in in the best physical shape mm -hmm. and he's been working at this job all his life that's the character right yes Arc. but anyway we discover him feeding the bird and we discover him getting ready for work and to kind of hint the humor although it's a very dramatic opening yeah to uh, to end the humor we have him dragging a TV and putting the tea for the bird as he leaves oh, wonderful. so that's a that's so little, sweet. little thing to and again I'm sorry I'm spoiling the movie here no no it's okay it's we're okay. here to talk about films so. yes exactly <laughs> well I'm so excited so you're screening on Tuesday with the Q&A I am okay yeah. great and Jorge will be here is uh, arriving from New York on Monday never been to Los Angeles ever wow and well never been in a, in, a, in another he's been to Providence Rhode Island first festival and this one so. wow what a great opportunity for both of you because, to work together and yes. that capacity that's so wonderful thank you so much for joining us thank you um, thank you Indiana his film is The Fuse and you will be able to see it at Tuesday. Holly Shorts on Tuesday at 5 at 5 and then as well on BitPix the virtual festival so you have no excuse if you're not in Hollywood to not watch The Fuse please watch yes thank you guys so much <laughs> we'll you. see you later alright thank you this has been another special episode of the Cinematography for Actors podcast. We are here live at the 19th annual Oscar qualifying Holly Shorts Film Festival through August 20th. Follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you are here at the festival, come up to the VIP lounge and say hi. We also want to give a huge thank you and shout out to our sponsors, which we have so many to help us put this together. And that is Apogee, Film Tools, Roscoe, Lightstone Rentals, Canon, and First Mile Technology for the awesome Wi-Fi hookup. As a special gift to our CFA listeners, um, we have partnered with a company called We Make Movies, you may be familiar with them, to offer discounted production services, including access to comprehensive production insurance and workers' comp for your next shoot. Visit wemakemovies.org slash insurance and use code CFA23 on your next intake form for 10% off your quote. We are making filmmaking more accessible. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time on the Cinematography for Actors podcast. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.